Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, the man who once put a USB in the right way first time. I'm here today to talk about the July 1, 1996 episodes of Raw and Nitro, heading towards the big pay-per-view bash at the beach and the slightly lesser-known international incident over on the WWF side of things. But before we get there, we've got a final stop on Nitro and another episode of Raw to have a bit of a look at. Nitro, of course, won the ratings. We are in the midst of the 83 weeks here, um, and it was a pretty handy win as well. Raw drew a 2.6 to Nitro's 3.3. So you can definitely see the pattern emerging here. Uh, WCW have caught lightning in a bottle in this NWO slash outsider's angle. And it is definitely red hot compared to a fairly stale Monday Night Raw. But as usual here, I'm no Sean the Sheep. I'm going to watch both shows and I'm going to tell you which one I enjoyed best. So let's get to it. And as I normally do, I checked out Raw first for two reasons. One, it's a lot shorter. And two, I don't want Eric Bischoff on commentary to spoil it for me before I watch it. So let's head on over to Monday Night Raw and see what they've got to offer. Monday Night Raw starts with a non-title match, and the Rockers explode. That's right, it's Shawn Michaels up against Marty Jannetty, who of course is given the jobber entrance, so I did you all the favour of playing the classic Rockers theme tune there instead. Um, forgot to mention we have Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler on commentary as usual, and Shawn Michaels comes out with Jose Lothario. Marty Jannetty had, we assume, come out with Leaf Cassidy because he stood around the ring, and this is back in the days of Shawn doing the click cam, bringing out a handy cam which shows up on the screen somehow, which is actually pretty amazing technology when you think about it for 96. Um, Jim Cornette's also at ringside, which is a little bit weird, I think, just to play mind games with Shawn Michaels. His main feud seems to be against Cam Cornette at the moment. And we start with a stare down as Vince tells us on commentary, today is Canada Day. It's 129 years old. And Lola says Helen was only two years, is only two years older, which is quite funny. Popped me a little bit. We get a quick exchange from Sean and Marty and then a double kip up, some chain wrestling. Marty hits a hip toss um, and an elbow before Sean comes back with an arm drag, a Japanese arm drag and a drop kick, an inverted atomic drop and a clothesline, followed by a top rope axe handle. Leaf makes a save from Sweet Chin Music and then Sean follows him to the outside with a baseball slide to Leaf before Gennetti attacks him from behind and gets the upper hand. He fights back with a snapmare for a two, a backdrop before Michaels comes back with a forearm and Janetti locks on a headlock. We get a monkey flip from Janetti. Um, Sean lands on his feet. Uh, sorry, a monkey flip from Michaels, but Janetti lands on his feet. Sean then hits a forearm, a slam, a drop kick, and a sunset flip before going up top for a cross, ro- a cross body, which is reversed as we go out to a commercial. 
Well, then we come back, Gennady successfully hits a rocker dropper, and then Shawn Michaels comes back with a pile driver, a top rope elbow, and sweet chin music for the 1-2-3 in what was a really decent opener. Um, not as good as their 1993-94 series of matches, but this was actually still really good, uh, mostly just because it, there wasn't such a hot angle for this. Gennady's stock had most definitely fallen by now, and it was 17 minutes to open the show, so... I think you can definitely see that Raw is feeling the heat from Nitro to open up with the WWF champion in a 17-minute match against his former tag partner, and I like where that's heading, so let's hope they keep this up. After the match, Leaf Cassidy comes in and tries to get involved, but eats sweet chin music. Cornette comes in, and Super Sock Jose Lothario nails him. And then Jerry Lawler teases that we're going to see some sort of interaction between Marlena and Sable later on. Um, we're a few years before HLA, so don't get your hopes up if you are Randy and single out there. It's not going to happen. Next up comes a rather infamous segment that I'm sure just about everybody listening to this show has heard of before. Um, it's a replay of the previous weekend's Superstars where Sonny calls out Phineas Godwin and makes him say that he loves her, then slaps him and the guns come in and commence a beatdown. Henry Godwin and Hillbilly Jim then come out and make the save and guess what time it is. It's time for Sonny to get slopped. Oh, I felt so disgusting watching this. Um, just in case there's someone listening to my show about 90s wrestling and hasn't heard the story about Sonny getting slopped, I'm going to fill you in a little bit. But effectively, the day of the show, the Godwins left the slop bucket backstage half full and said, oh, we're slopping Sonny tonight. I hope nothing happens to this bucket before we get there. And yeah, a couple of the click guys proceeded to... Um, Oh, what's the best way I could put this? Um, use it instead of the toilet while several others spat in it, put their chewing tobacco in it, um, etc. I really would hazard a guess to think about how many bodily fluids went into that, but oh, it just made me feel sick watching it all drip down Sonny's face. Oh. Anywho, um, <laughs> back to the show because I don't really want to talk about that much longer. And we go to a commercial break. When we come back, it's time for our next matchup. And if the first one I thought was really an attempt to bring the viewers back from Nitro, I can't say the same about this. It's Mankind taking on Duke to Dumpster Jerosi. Oh, my God. How is he still a draw? Well, how do people still think he might be a draw in 1996? I didn't hate him as a wrestler. He wasn't terrible. But, man, a garbage man gimmick. Oh, it's not his fault. It's just terrible. We have Jake the Snake Roberts on commentary. He'll face Mankind at the next In Your House. Um, Mankind beats the living shit out of Duke, as you'd expect when we go to a commercial. When we come back, Duke gets a few shots in, but he's cut off pretty quickly. And Lawler begins to slag off Jake on commentary, um, just going to town on him. Um, he says something, and Jake replies back saying he's proud of his recovery and can help others. And that just, yeah, makes me giggle a little bit. Um, no offense, Jake, but not quite. Um, Mankind walks into a spine buster and a dragon sleeper briefly uh, eats a clothesline for a two, but then comes back with the mandible claw and it's over pretty quickly. Lawler and Jake blow up on commentary and Jake um, Jerry Lawler hits a couple of slaps and then Jake grabs a hold of him, but Mankind comes in and locks in the claw to big boos from the crowd. So good to see this one actually resonated with the live crowd and Mankind's certainly getting himself over pretty nicely. From there, we hear JR shill the superstar line, which is something quite funny considering all the um, slagging off of the WCW one over the years. Call the WWF superstar line at 1-900-7374-W... 
Why is the ultimate warrior in the World Wrestling Federation doghouse? Find out all the shocking details right now on Auction 6 at 1-900-737-4-WWF. It's only $1.49 per minute, and kids must be 18 years of age or have your parents' permission before calling. The key takeaway you hear from that is the fact that the Ultimate Warrior is in the doghouse, which leads me to believe he may not make it through to the next pay-per-view, which is a shame, really, because he's not been back all that long, and he is a main event attraction going into the next pay-per-view, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we get a replay of Mankind and Jerry Lawler... um, which is a, gives us a really good shot from the ring, um, basically over Mankind's shoulder, showing what he's looking at before he runs out and interferes. Some really good production work from the WWF there, actually. It was something a little bit different. And then we get told that by Jerry Lawler that this has not been a happy hour for Jake Roberts, which did pop me a little bit. It was quite funny. We then go to our main event, which is Gold Dust versus the Wild Man Mark Miro. Not something I was super excited about, but we do get Stone Cold on commentary, which was pretty good. Uh, he'll be facing Mark Miro at In Your House. Again, not something I'm massively excited about. I was never a huge Mark Miro fan. If I was going to go Mark Miro, I'd definitely prefer him with the boxer gimmick, personally. Uh, Raw is brought to us by Burger King, um, and... That just made me giggle a little bit, obviously, with Lula on commentary. But we go past that as Austin begins threatening Vince McMahon, and we get some nice early seeds for the hottest angle in wrestling history a couple of years from here. Um, Vince is nonsensical on commentary as well. He's just at his absolute worst. Um, we get this line from Vince, and try and decipher it as you as you, try and decipher it if you can. I'm worse than Vince now. Who am I to talk? Goldust and Miro will treat each other with respect in terms of athleticism. Like, what? What are you talking about, Vince? Just stop. Uh, Miro hits a crossbody for a two. Uh, Japanese arm drag, a drop kick, and Goldust bails to the outside. Lawler tries to sell as this Marlena Sable angle again. I'm having none of it. Um, we go to a commercial. When we come back, Goldust hits a clothesline and locks on a chinlock. Mark Miro hits a victory roll for a two before Goldust hits a slam and a dropping fist for a two, and we go to another commercial. We come back and Goldust again has a chinlock on, and Vince McMahon wishes Bret Hart a happy birthday. Mark Miro hits an electric chair drop and a power slam for a two. An inverted atomic drop and some nice jabs before going up top for an axe handle, then a knee lift, and Marlena at ringside blows smoke in the face of Sable. This distracts Miro and allows Goldust to lock on the curtain call for the one, two, three. It's looking like the blue might be off the mark Miro Rose a little bit here with him jobbing out relatively cleanly in the main event on Raw, um, but Goldust stock may be on the up, so I can't really complain with either of those two things from what I've been watching so far. Overall, not a bad episode of Raw. Um, It's weird having the best match open the show and still have the WWF champion in it as well. It's not like it was a couple of really good undercard guys with a slow-plotting champion to close out. And following on with a Duke the Dumpster Drozzy match and a Mark Miro main event, it just was a little strange uh, for me. But overall, not a bad show. Some good angle progression and some good action. So we'll see if WCW's hot outsider's angle can top what we've just watched on Raw. where, ladies and gentlemen, all the talk of the wrestling world has been centered on one event, and that is, of course, Daytona Beach, 
and the Ocean Center, the hostile takeover. We are not too far away from that big six-man tag team event. Thanks to modern technology via satellite communication, the world is becoming a small place. There will be a new world. What? 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 I'm talking here. Security in this building. What are you talking? Do you see a ring on my finger, Shivani? No, I don't see a ring on your finger. You know why? Why? Because the Lord of the Rings ring has been stolen. I want this entire place closed. I want the whole building secured, and I want everyone strip searched. Well, I'm sorry, and I apologize, but we don't have your ring, and we've got a show to do here. Hey, the bottom line is, Legend, you know this, they're jealous. Everyone's jealous. They know they can't beat me. Well, when they can't beat you, they're going to take the ring. they're going to steal it. I'm getting to the bottom. You got it, Giovanni? You know who's got it? Do you know who's got it? No, I don't know who has it. For crying out loud, would you let us do our television program? Please get him out of here. Get him out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we ended the program in a wild fashion. Let's take a look at the footage from last week when the World Tag Team title switched hands, Larry. Here you see the power slam of the total package, Lex Luger. As you heard there, this show opened up with Shivani and Zabisco being interrupted by DDP still looking for his ring, which will follow throughout the show. And we open up with the Steiners taking on Harlem Heat, the new tag team champions, um, thanks to the distraction by the Outsiders last week. Booker T comes out on his brick phone um i'm not really sure what the point of this was um really weird during the entrance um and then we get the match started steiner hits a lovely belly to belly um and then that gets a big pop followed by a press slam which is really cool as we go out to a commercial we see the four horsemen at their vip table with the girls um stevie ray hits a clothesline steiner rick steiner hits a german a clothesline and then scott steiner hits an overhead belly to belly which is always cool on guys this side we see colonel robert parker at ringside now booker t then hits a high kick and a top uh, rope crossbody for a two a slam before rick steiner hits his awesome top rope belly to belly for a two Scott Steiner hits a nice underhook suplex for a two. Booker T comes back with a spin kick, a Stevie Ray slam for a two, and a Booker T top rope splash for a two as well. Rick Steiner cleans house, and then we get a bit of a four-man brawl before Scott hits a Frankensteiner. Rick hits a top rope bulldog, but there's a little bit of a distraction. Colonel Robert Parker um, basically bashes Rick Steiner with the cane during the fracas, and this allows Harlem Heat to pick up the one, two, three, and a really good opener to Monday Nitro. Obviously not as long as the Michaels Jenny match on Raw, but some really high-octane action. I love Harlem Heat and the Steiners at this point in time. They are both awesome, awesome teams. Gene is then with the four horsemen and everyone gets a turn chatting shit. Not really the best promo because there's a bit of Benoit and a bit of Mongo when there should just be a lot of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, but it is what it is. We get a commercial break and the patented Glacier ad, which I've played numerous times on this show, is still running. Blood runs cold if you haven't heard yet. We then go to a match I wasn't quite as excited for, the Disco Inferno taking on Kurosawa. Uh, I was not expecting much from this one. We start with a reverse uh, crescent kick from Kurosawa. A, they trade karate poses, which is quite stupid. We get a chop from Kurosawa and Disco powders, which seems to be his best move. He kicks the steps and then sells the kick, which is quite ridiculous. He begs off. He's basically a modern-day Jerry Lawler at this point in time, although it's not modern-day, it's 1996, so, you know, that didn't make any sense either. We get a Samoan drop from Kurosawa and a reverse slam. Uh, we get Disco Inferno's music hits and an impersonator comes out, distracts the referee, and then Disco... 
a disco ball comes down from the ceiling, which the real Disco Inferno grabs and whacks Kurosawa in the back. It was weak. I'm telling you, this would struggle to knock down my two-year-old. But Kurosawa eats it and takes the one, two, three pinfall loss. It was a decent idea that was executed terribly, basically. We then go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's time for our next match, Riggs versus DDP. DDP um, checks all the staff's pockets during his ring entrance, so, you know, all the pyro guys, the um, sound guys, camera guys, etc., still looking for his ring. And we get an inset promo from my main man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Almost immediately after that promo was finished, Zabisco with the line of the night with, did Duggan have a point? Um, this is just terrible 80s-style garbage to put Hacksaw over. Um, it's odd that the... Um, it, it's kind of odd and jarring to have this on a show where the NWO angle is building in full steam. I know I've said this previously in regards to the Glacier ads, but this 80s-style nonsense is even more jarring to see up against the outsiders and this sort of new wave of wrestling. So, pretty funny stuff. DDP hits some corner strikes and a back suplex and then an abdominal stretch using the ropes while the referee plays dumb. We get a jawbreaker and a pump handle into a backbreaker from Paige. He's really sort of rolling out the different offensive moves here. Uh, Riggs goes for a roll-up and gets a two, a drop kick and a springboard crossbody uh, from the apron to the floor, which was quite cool. Um, goes for a slam, but DDP reverses it into the diamond cutter, finding new ways to keep pulling that move out of nowhere, and picks up the one, two, three. Gene then comes in to interview DDP. He says he knows where the ring is, and yet DDP completely ignores that and continues to vent before going back to asking if he knew where the ring was. So that kind of shit all over the angle a little bit as we go out to a commercial break. When we come back for more Saturday night's main event, I mean, Monday Nitro, it's time for the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine. Macho Man tips all the food over at the VIP table. Um, then the Hammer gets in the ring looking actually in pretty decent shape, to be fair. He does look like he's toned down a little bit. We have some chain wrestling, and then Greg the Hammer with a second row backs handle. We brawl along the outside. Um... And we get a good look at the heavy security around the outside. Tony Shivani says, and I quote, We're two minutes from hour number two, without a doubt the most watched hour in the history of our sport. I'm not sure if I prefer that to Vince's notwithstanding or not. They're having a bit of a battle for nonsense statements here at the moment, which is kind of the secondary Monday Night War. We get a slam from the Macho, and the hour two countdown clock starts while the match is in progress. Valentine hits a back suplex, but knocked himself out somehow, allowing Macho to go up top and hit the top rope elbow, the 1-2-3, as we get fireworks for the ending of Hour 1, and Tony Schiavone throws to the returning Eric Bischoff with Bobby the Brain as we go out to commercial. When we come back, Bischoff thanks the fans for our support, refers to Nash and Hall as the outsiders, which I think is one of the first times that was used. Says WCW are not afraid, and as he's saying this, Hall and Nash come through the crowd. Doug Dillinger tries to toss them out, but in the classic wrestling trope, uh, this might be the first time it was done, they have tickets. They also have popcorn and a Coke, 
and we see another Glacier ad as they take their seats for the rest of the show. Never knew why wrestlers with tickets always come so late. Um, if you bought tickets to the show, surely you want to see more than the last half an hour, but that's just me. We then go to John Tenter challenging for the WCW Championship, taking on the Giant. The Giant hits a headbutt and a chop. Um, he no-sells some strikes from Tenter before firing back. Tenter hits an avalanche before Giant comes back with a big clothesline, elbow, and an easy slam on Tenter, which is no mean feat. Some corner strikes, um, and we see a third seat between Hall and Nash, I guess teasing that they're going to reveal who the third man is. John Tenter hits a second rope clothesline and a standing drop kick, which is mightily impressive for a man his size. Then nails Jimmy Hart, but Kevin Sullivan comes out, and this allows the Giant to kick the back of the head of Tenter and hit him with a choke slam for the 1-2-3. Big Bubba then comes in and shaves half of his beard. So he now has half a haircut and half a beard. And whoever booked this shit gets my dick move of the week. Can you imagine sending a guy that size with half his haircut and half his beard shaved for this bullshit angle that's going to go absolutely nowhere? I assume this was a Kevin Sullivan thing since he's all over it on the show. But if not, I apologize. If it was, absolutely takes my dick move of the week. Gene then comes in to interview the Dungeon of Doom, and they cut promos on all their opponents, um, and Kevin Sullivan freezes a bit during his lines, so take a listen to this. All right, very busy evening. Tony Shabby Heenan joining me, Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, Big Bubba, and the 470-some-odd-pound, six-foot-four-inch champion, the Giant. Jimmy Hart, what a night it has been. Bash at the Beach coming up Sunday live from Daytona. Mean Gene at the Bash at the Beach, Chris Benoit and Aaron Anderson, the Four Horsemen. That's just an example of what's going to happen to you. Before we get to, to that, I want to talk to this man, Big Bubba. You've been at it again. You're not a barber by any stretch of the imagination. Don't plan to be. How much humiliation can one man take? You got a half a beard to go with that half a head of your hair of yours. Two weeks ago, I took some nickels. I put him in a sock. I busted you with an inch of your life. Well, at the Batch of the Beach, the stakes are going to be a little higher. Silver dollars, a top of pole. First one to get to him gets to use them. I'm going to hurt you at the Batch at the Beach, punk. Carson City Silver Dollar match coming up this Sunday. Also, in tag team action, the heavyweight champ, the giant, and you, Kevin Sullivan, to team up. I hope you're not preoccupied with something else that's going on in this arena. You're going to be facing Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. If the Horsemen win next Monday, they'll face him. Plus a couple of other stipulations I should point out. Let me see that. First of all, John Tenner, your first fatal mistake was leaving the Dungeon of Doom. Don't ever cross the Dungeon of Doom! Or the joke slam is the price you'll have to pay. And Big Bob is going to shave your entire body. First of all, the next thing I want to address is the four horsemen. The problem, Taskmaster, I told you, never trust a horse. Horsemen are jealous. They want to be elite. I have the world title. I always will. It's a legacy. They want the belt. They're coming to Florida. Daytona Beach, our home turf. Horsemen. You might come in as four. I promise you, you're going to leave this four buildings. All right, uh, that's a little strong. 
Kevin Sullivan, no disqualification. There must be a winner. No countouts. None of that in store. You know, all I can say right now, Gene, Chris Benoit, Aaron Anderson, what happened to me in Baltimore when we fought all through the building? I'll get with you guys, and you'll see. Don't worry about Tenth Attendant's getting back on his feet. Wait a minute, they're just walking off, leaving me. Another point, Benoit. I just heard the Taskmaster. You want a piece of the Taskmire? That's your problem. The fire burning in his soul is something that you can't stand the heat of. You think the Taskmaster's a weak link? You're wrong! All right, the emotions are running very high. We're inside a week next Sunday live from Daytona Beach, 7 o'clock Eastern time on pay-per-view. As you heard there, the Giant had to basically jump in and bail out Kevin Sullivan because he blew it on his promo. We get a Slim Jim commercial followed by a Saturday night commercial telling us Sting, Lex and Macho will be in six-man tag action, obviously getting them ready for the big show the next night. And we get a video package on Rey Mysterio, but it's interrupted by Hall and Nash getting on a microphone. I guess all that security couldn't stop them getting live mics. Uh, They go up to the commentary table, and as security comes in, you hear Nash on over the mic basically say get the fuck off me uh to one of the guys trying to grab him and macho lex and sting come out in the face paint we get the classic nash line of look at the clowns half the roster come out and basically step in between them all and we get a diesel chant as we go out to a commercial break when we come back we get gene oakland with hacksaw jim duggan and this one is even worse than the one before so i'm gonna put a little bit of it in here for you to listen to yet again Welcome back, everybody, to WCW Monday Nitro. We are live. We're just outside of Washington, D.C. and Landover, Maryland, the number one wrestling television program in all of cable. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, come on in if you would. Please, please. Excuse me for interrupting you, but old Hacksaw, I just went back to the toilet to relieve myself. I'm looking down on the ground, and lo and behold, look what I found. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's that, that... King of the ring. I understand DDP is out here whining and crying that somebody stole his ring. Obviously, you could tell that I wouldn't steal his ring because I wear a man-sized ring. You not found, found that in the men's room? Well, yes, so I certainly did. There. You know, right he there thought somebody floor. stole it. Stole it. Who would want this little feminine piece of metal wrapped around their finger? Not Hacksaw Jim Bud Duggan, but being the ex-Boy Scout that I am, I come here to Eugene to show you that I'll bring this back. I'll give it to DDP if he wants it. All right, let me point out for the record, this coming Sunday Night Live from Daytona, exclusively right on pay-per-view. If found it in the men's room, well, yes. I was right back You're going to be facing... Gene. Go ahead. Me. I'm going to be fair, right? I'm going to be facing big old DDP at Bash at the Beach at a tape fist match. Sometimes makes me wonder if this ring's a little too tight around his finger. You're not thinking right, Paige. You're getting the ring with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Not that I'm no great technical wrestler. Wait a minute. Get him out of here. Thief. thief! I told you someone stole it! You thief! You can't beat me for the reason! Hey, so you had to steal hey, it! Who do you 
you think you're talking to? You don't call me a thief. You don't call me a liar. You don't call me a cheat. I don't want to get you in the middle of this. You want this back? You take this thing get back if you want. I like to give it back to you. Hey, not in here. Want this piece Save it for Sunday night. Take a walk, baby. Look at there. Diamond Dallas down on the floor, picking it up. I don't respect what Hey, oh no! You better be kidding me! Beach. Tough guy! Stop Who it! Want that ring anyway? Totally uncalled I don't know how this thing got this far out of whack here, but Hacksaw Jim Duggan has just leveled Diamond Dallas Page. He nailed him with a tape fist. That's going to be part of the action at the Bash at the Beach. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to. Everybody needs security in this place tonight. Right now, let's get you back inside the U.S. Air Arena. Well, Diamond Dallas Page won that ring, the Lord of the Rings, if you will. A little clarification there. There's a lot to digest there. Basically, Hacksaw found the ring in the toilet. Uh, DDP comes in and gets it back. Gene accidentally drops King of the Ring. And then after it all goes down, Hacksaw nails DDP with the tape. And Bischoff on commentary corrects Gene because it's not King of the Ring. That's where you used to work, buddy. Oops. We then go to our main event, which is a Rock and Roll Express and the Renegade and Joe Gomez taking on the Four Horsemen. Um, we're fully expecting this one to be a Horseman victory. Um... Mongo in the early days actually made a good horseman. I thought Super Bowl winner um, doing it for the money. I thought this was a pretty good storyline, to be fair. Before the match gets started, we get a bash of the beach out again, and then the match gets underway with an eight-man brawl. Flair and Ricky Morton end up in there for a while, and Ricky Morton hits a runner, and the Rock and Rolls hit a double drop kick. Arn comes in, but eats a Robert Gibson, Robert Gibson Enziguri. Benoit beats on the Renegade for a while, and Rick, Fair, Rick Flair sells for everybody before hitting a low blow. Benoit with some nasty chops, and Mongo finally gets in after much buzz from the commentary team and a little bit from the crowd. A couple of basic moves and gets out, which is all you'd really expect from him at this point. Flair um, basically drops a knee for a two count before Arn comes in and hits the classic Aloha Arn for a two. Um, hits his spine buster, but the faces make the save. Heels isolate Joe Gomez for a while and work over his leg. Mongo with a bit of an ugly-looking power slam on him. Um, we get a tag to the Renegade who comes in to clean house, a bit of a lukewarm tag before we have another eight-man brawl. We get a sloppy briefcase to the knee on the Renegade as he's trying to come off the top rope, but barely connected. And Flair puts on the figure four for a quick tap-out victory. The four horsemen bail as the faces come back in the ring, and Gene goes to interview them again. Once again, they take turns. Nothing stellar, but Arn Anderson is pretty good in this one. Ric Flair's out of control as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, the commentary team sign off as the outsiders are walked backstage, basically escorted by police officers to their car, who they mock on the way out. So really, really a lot going on and a good ending to this show. Really enjoyed it. Um, overall, a quality night of wrestling, I will say, July 1st, 1996. But there can only be one winner. I was banging swans, that's how I roll. Winning, I had one gear, go, epic. Winning, are you bipolar? I'm bi- Winning, win there, win there, win, win, everywhere, where, absolute victory, everywhere, where, where, I'm on a quest. We're gonna win everywhere. As usual, we're going to run through our five categories, and I think for this episode, the crowd was a little bit hotter for Nitro than they were for Raw. Um, 
nothing major. I don't think there was any massive crowd moments, but the show was hotter and the crowd reacted as such. So Nitro takes the first point. Storyline advancement, I've got to again go with Nitro. I think this storyline with the Outsiders is obviously the best thing going in wrestling at the moment. They also advance storylines in the tag division uh, with the Giant and the Dungeon of Doom up against their various opponents, the Horsemen. Um, quite a few different things were advanced on the show. Raw really had a lot of stuff in isolation, bar Mankind and Jake Roberts. So Nitro goes two for two there. As far as characters, I'd also have to go with Nitro. Um, Raw had three matches, and in one of those matches was Duke the Dumpster Jerosi, and I'm not that fond of Mark Miro in the main event either, whereas Nitro had a lot of big names on the show. The Steiners, Harlem Heat, Hall, Nash, Flair, uh, the Giant defending the title, so Nitro 3 for 3 so far. Production value, I'd probably go with the WWF, mostly just for that really cool over-the-shoulder shot of Mankind looking out to the commentary table. Other than that, there was nothing that unusual on either show, um, no major botches or mishaps, so I'd go with the WWF for that, but match quality is going to swing straight back to Nitro, giving a decisive 4-1 to victory to Nitro. Um, the matches on Nitro were just better than the ones on Raw for the most part, with the exception of Sean and Marty, but that wasn't enough to take over a whole show of reasonably decent wrestling on Nitro. Not that there was anything that awesome to write home about other than the opener on Nitro, but Riggs and DDP and the eight-man tag in the main event, and even to some extent Tenter and the Giant, were solid wrestling, and I just thought Mankind and Drozzy was a waste of time, and Miro and Goldust was average at best. So Nitro picks up the victory here, uh, decisively so, and, you know, fairly so. The viewers chose Nitro on the night. I've watched both shows, and I much preferred Nitro as well, and... As everybody knows, I'm a loyal WWF guy from back in the day, so it definitely must have been the best show to get me on side as well as everybody else. That will do it for now. Thank you all for listening. Um, Richie and I are going to hit 1990 to put a bow on our 80s uh, trip very soon. Duncan and I are going to have one last look at the TNA vs. WWF War of 2010. And then Carl and I hopefully are going to get back on board and check out Bash of the Beach, which should be exciting. This is one of the ones we've been building towards since the start. An international incident, which clearly isn't. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully some of these shows will be coming to you in the very near future and 2020 will be a good year for us all. And I will talk to you all again very, very soon. I can serve 16 ounces for six and get back 96. A killer for the Skrilla, nigga. Dust I be stopping, I got to get them bigger, bigger. Fuck what you talking, I represent the niggas ballin' with jewelry full of sickness. Down to the niggas chasing million, that dream serving niggas. And I know one day I gon' come up, and when you see me, don't hate that I roll up. Get paid whether you legit when you slang or tipping off cane. Until I take a dip in the range, I'm flipping them things. Gotta get that money, money man. Just got paid, stack it up, be on my way. Lovely day, lovely day. 
And if I ain't selling no records, I'm serving them packs. I got a clip full of hollows, money making's my motto. Send me auto with my blows in the bottle till I hit the lotto. With dreams I own and the record label flipping words. My nigga flipping builders better than he was flipping birds. I got the mentality and the motive. I'm on the mission for the money, you can get it too. It's all about your ambition. Play your position, provide the plans and follow procedures. And it's 600, burn it with a pocket full of hundreds and visas. Love when I get that done, hit him up. Recop, then I get back up. Love when I get that gig, get a crib, get a car when the grip stack up. It's still in the evening if I'm sleeping paper pop. As soon as I get up, It's just another day, another dollar. I gotta get that money, money back. Just got paid. Stack it up. Be on my way. It's a lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. It's a lovely day. Just got paid. Stack it up. Jacks. And love for the thug niggas who get it on the app. Love for those who can make a meal and sit back and laugh. And love for the fine strippers who get it poppin' ass. Love for the single parents that's working through the struggle. Love for those who gotta make a living moving muscle. Love for those who gotta watch the haters rollin' bubbles. Causing trouble every time a young brother try to hustle. And if I can't legally make a knot, then I gotta get right back on the block. And if it ain't no work, we do a stick up and whip a fuck concoction. Might leave your face down in the dirt because hurting's not an option. Gotta get that money, man. Just got paid, stack it up, be on my way. Lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. 